Hey, Jewish family, today we're going to look at Acts chapter 17, verse 1 to 15. <clears throat> uh, this particular uh, passage is fascinating. Again, we're seeing how the gospel is being spread throughout the known world at the time. And uh, this gospel moves from Jerusalem to Judea. It's where now we're into Europe now. And uh, you remember in the last episode, at the end of chapter 16, the, the jailer was converted. Um, and even before that, uh, Lydia was converted. This is how we get you know, the Church of Philippi. Is the, there are these believers um, that, uh, that were saved during Paul's second missionary journey. Um, all the people in the jailer's household, as well as Lydia's household, are saved. And uh, you recall at the very end of chapter 16, uh, Paul pulls out his Roman card and says that, hey, uh, you weren't supposed to do that. Uh, you know, the, 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 they wanted uh, Paul to leave, but then they said that, uh, you know, they had to come in and bring us out because they basically violated the law by um, by punishing Ro- uh, Paul the, uh, this way. And uh, the policemen were uh, afraid, and, um, and they just told Paul to leave, and he stayed for a little while in, in Lydia's house, and, and he goes now the uh, Paul's ministry continues his 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 ministry journey, going to uh, the churches to see how they're doing, as well as just even planting churches along the way. Um, you know, this is just kind of the continuing on of the gospel being advanced throughout um, Europe now. So let's begin in verse uh, one of chapter seventeen. Now, when they had traveled through Amphilus and Apollonia, they had they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of Jews. Um, so this is a roughly three-day journey from where they were at Philippi. And uh, different scholars and even commentators have wrestled how did Paul do it, because this, you know, this three-day journey is about like a hundred or so miles. But not only that, uh, Paul, if you remember, Paul and Silas, they were beaten up uh, before. You know, they were, they were uh, beat up by the people uh, for f- preaching the gospel when they, uh, when, um, you know, when the when they, when they got the demonic lady unpossessed by the demons, and then the prophets, uh, the false teachers there, uh, said they lost all their money because of Paul and Silas, and they were beaten in prison for it. Um, so there's no way that even after some time they were healing that they're able to just go um, and travel so far, especially if they're badly wounded. So some people think that they actually took like a horse that they were riding on a short horse, and um, provided to them by the people in Philippi because it's a Philippian church where relatively wealthy and they have people that um they're willing to give this is a church that paul speaks very highly of in the book of philippians now as we get to thessalonica this is also a really good church too um when paul was there he's when he's ministering to the people there um you know we see in the in first and second Thessalonica that they really had no need of correction in fact they were persecuted for the faith and Paul, even in those letters, instruct them to hold fast to the faith and know that they have not missed the rapture because uh, their persecution was just ramping up. They held on to the faith. They thought they were, maybe they missed it. Maybe they got the gospel wrong and Paul was trying to encourage them. And here at this particular chapter, in chapter 17, we kind of see the, the origins of this church. So they went to, uh, uh, to synagogues or looking for a synagogue in verse 2. And according to Paul's custom, he went to them for three Sabbaths, reason with them from the scriptures. So, this is what Paul usually does. He goes and he, even though he was charged to go administer to Gentiles, that doesn't mean that he doesn't have a heart for the people. Um, he He's there <coughs> in the synagogue and trying to reason with them from the scriptures <coughs> excuse me, about who 
who Jesus Christ is and how all the Old Testament points to Christ. You notice the word we hear reasoned, it's, it's this idea of a dialogue. It's usually kind of like informal dialogue, and you're just talking, asking questions, knowing what uh, uh, you know what they're not understanding, um, which is kind of cool because there's a mix between what how Paul teaches. He he does, sometimes he's like preaching, as we see at the end of verse uh, or at the end of verse eighteen. Um, well, he's in Athens, of you know, chapter seventeen, verse eighteen, and you know just throughout the whole book, uh, there's a lot of preaching and declaring the word in a public setting and preaching, teaching, but occasionally he'll, ha he'll reason with them. Um, meaning that he'll, he'll, he'll say something that he, he'll ask questions and then they'll ask questions. He'll respond to those questions. Um, so it's a dialogue way. And he, and he answers the, those questions from the scriptures. And it says verse three, explaining and giving evidence that Christ had suffered and rise again from the dead saying that this Jesus whom I am proclaimed to you is the Christ. And now the Jews understood that the Jews understood what the Messiah, who that the the Old Testament spoke spoke of the Messiah coming, and he's trying to connect everything to Jesus. And this is just a, a reminder for all of us: the more Bible we know, the more we're able to persuade others that the things that we say are not our own opinions. It's from the divinely inspired Word of God, and we're just trying to proclaim that to others. Verse four, and some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with a large number of God-fearing Greeks and a number of leading. Of the leading women, so people got saved, and, and it's really cool. This is a mixed group of people. Some of the Jews in the synagogue. There was uh, a large number of God-fearing, meaning um, God-fearing Greeks, meaning Greeks that became Jews before they were Christians, and then even some of the, the leading ladies in in the area. So just very powerful, um, you know, entrepreneur type people again. And this is a mixed group of people that became such as Church of Thessalonica. Again, we see how Paul, as he's going through, he's supposed to just visit these places and just check in on the believers. But as he's going along, the Lord has changed the plan. And then the result of that is that um, churches were being established. And that's a cool thing. Because um, again, so we said, we said there was a book of Luke and Acts in this whole mission, missionary journey. That's how we, you know, he met Luke. That's how we got those two books. He met Mark. I mean, he met Timothy, where we get first and second Timothy. Then he established church in Philippians, which is where we got the Philippians, and now Thessalonica. So now that's like six books in the Bible that we have in this whole missionary journey. And all of this, again, we're seeing in God's providential hand. The reason why they were on this trip was because there was a, there was a disagreement between Paul and John Mark and, and how God uses uh, even something like that to ultimately bring to about the church and builds the church you know, there may be differences of opinions. And I say that because just seeing the totality of everything, it just blows my mind and how God is so good in, in preserving the church and preserving the people in the church, preserving believers and his word. It just, it's just, it's fascinating to me how he does that. Verse five, but the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace formed a mob and sent the city in the uproar and attacking the house of Jason. They were seeking to bring them out to the people. So there is some sort of time gap here because uh, this doesn't specify who Jason is. It's just that he's, it seems like he's a he probably was a Jewish Christian. But uh, these Jews uh, they became jealous, uh, meaning that the people didn't you know, didn't want to worship at the temple anymore. They didn't want. Uh, uh, I think I think primarily it was just that they they saw Gentiles coming to save me, and they're claiming that Gentiles can get to heaven, meaning that Jews are not the exclusive people to get the gospel or salvation. And, and that made them jealous. And as a result, they were partnering with these, is it taking along some wicked men? 
And uh, this is the reality, again, of preaching God's word. That as you live a holy life, it will invite persecution towards Christianity. But here, in particular, what I find fascinating is that uh, you know the Jews, um, the Jews were trying to uh, again partner with wicked people, and this is not new to them. It's always fascinating how much the Jews look down on all the other ethnicity until uh, they need them to go against Christians. It's always convenient. Like the Jews, the Pharisees, they did it when Jesus was uh, during the trial of Christ, and they did it. They did it again here, and in, in the context of the church. People will always align with the devil if it means to try to overthrow truth. That's just how living in the world is. You'll see that in our time, that there's just such a conglomerate of people that are rising up against Christians, and they will they will they will side with whoever if it means to silence Christians in terms of the moral ethics that we hold. And that's just the way it is. Uh, the people will work against the Christians, and and even if you think about in the Book of Revelation, we see that too. Like all of the world has under this one false religion against Christianity. And it's no surprise there the devil will try to find allies, which is really just other people that are lost and blinded by their own sin and in love with their own, uh, uh, you know, demonic worship, that they'll go against the only thing that's true. Um, so whether it means like other cults aligning with other cults, aligning with other cults to go against Christianity, yeah, that's bound to happen. Uh, and we see that even here as the, as they were working with the wicked men to start really a riot against and attacking the house of Jason. Um, again, there's not much known about him, but the only thing we know is that uh, they were probably staying there at some point, and then they were not there when they got when the mob got there. Verse 6, When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brethren before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have upset the world, have come here also, and Jason had welcomed them, and they all acted contrary to decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Now, again, this is really typical of what the Jews are saying. Uh, remember when Jesus was on trial, they said, we have no king but Caesar, right? That's just kind of what they're saying here. They're using the same type of argument, saying that, oh, they claim to be another king, and his name is Jesus, and, and this is just really a lie, because they, didn't, they knew what the Christians were trying to say, but they manipulated what they're trying to say to, to get more people against them. Because the Jews did believe in the Messiah that was coming, uh, but they just didn't want to believe that Jesus is that Messiah. Verse 8, uh, They stirred up the crowd in the city of those who heard these things, and they, when they had received a pledge from Jason and others, they released them. So the apostles uh, had, 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 you know, they, they were gone, and they had no idea how to get back. Um, but yet they were just, you know, they just trusted the, the Lord. Um, they were uh, separated from these people. And I think first and second, that's when really, I, I wonder, I'm just speculating here. And I, I do think that uh, when Paul's writing about, because when you look at the language first and second Thessalonians, there's just so much love in that letter and those two letters and just really encouraging them about what's wrong, um, you know, how to encourage them in light of all the persecution here. And, you know, I'm sure Jason was in that congregation as well. And he's reading these letters and, you know, they, he's encouraging them to hold fast to the faith. And you can understand why if there's like an, of a mob of people that want to you know, destroy your livelihood. Verse 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into a synagogue of Jews. Again, this is a similar pattern of what Paul usually does. He goes to synagogues to have these um, conversations with Jewish people. Verse 11, now these were more noble-minded than in the Thessalonica. 
For they received the, truth, the word with great eagerness, examined the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So there's a very interesting contrast here between the Bereans and the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians, they heard it, they, were, they asked questions, they were persuaded by scripture, but they were not um, particularly knowledgeable themselves, meaning they, they didn't like have the skill sets to dive into God's word. Um, these were people that maybe wanted more evidence, um, because, um, or the, the Brians, the Brians were people that wanted more evidence, whereas the Thessalonians were persuaded, you know, they, they were, they, you know, said in verse 4 that they were persuaded, that they were able to, um, you know, they were talked into the faith, whereas I think the Brians, they were reasoned into the faith, they were, they had evidence looking at the scriptures, because that's what they're known for, these, these Brians, at some point, you know, they're non-Christians, or at least they had Old Testament, they were, you know, Old Testament type Christians, or believers, Old Testament believers, and when Paul spoke, then they like, hmm, I wonder if this, what, what he's saying is true. They searched the only truth that they know at the time, which is the Old Testament, and then the result of that is that they did believe. It says here, verse 11, um, now these were the more noble greens and Thessalonians, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek men, women and men. So the Berean church grew because of their you know, their desire to, to seek after truth. And I do think that if you seek the Lord, the Lord will make himself known. And that's what's going on here. These Bereans were faithful to the Old Testament text. And then Paul, by God's kindness, allowed them to see um, that how what they believe is exactly what Jesus, is. all the things fulfilled is in Jesus Christ. Verse 13, Then the Jews of Thessalonians found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there as well, agitating and stirring up the crowd. So again, these guys are trying to hunt them. Uh, this word stirring up is the idea of shaking the wind. They were trying to do whatever it takes. Like, they're almost like a storm to try to like destroy Paul. Verse 14, then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. Uh, so there's like a parting right there um, between Paul and the, other, and the rest of them. Verse 15, now those who escorted Paul brought them brought him as far as Athens and receiving command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. So this is how God uh, moves people to, Christ to Christianity. Uh, it's, it's sometimes it is through persecution. Sometimes, you know, when we look at what's going on now in world events with all the <coughs> things going to the Middle East and, you know, people becoming refugees, you know, we as Christians should be mindful of those people. Um, that that's maybe one way the world is coming to us where we can witness to people. And we don't know who's gonna, who, what strangers we'll encounter or people that we'll meet, but we should always do our best to love on strangers um, and, and hope that through our care and kindness and warmth towards them that they will see the love of Christ that will draw them to the gospel. Um, and yet, you know, we don't know, we don't know how all world events play out, but we should be mindful how we can leverage those opportunities for gospel uh, opportunities. And I hope that's in your life too, you know, wherever you live and wherever you are, that you're just mindful of your surroundings and see how you can be a, uh, a faithful uh, uh, believer. Uh, be like Paul here and that wherever he went, he tried to reason with them, whether that's like an informal dialogue or he preached to them. Um, but just understand that as you continue, as all of us continue to strive to live as lights in the world, uh, darkness hates that. They will either flee from it or they'll do their best to try to snuff it out. And that will invite persecution, difficulty, and hardship in our life. But it's worth it because Christ is our all in all, and we want Jesus to be made known throughout the world. And I hope that's 
all your desire. Thanks for listening to this. Take care and have a great day.